What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And this is Gotham's Reckoning. I'm just kidding. It's your boy, Benny B. Brisk Ice-T, a.k.a. Bruno, a.k.a. The Fourth, a.k.a. Episode Four. Ooh, that, a little synergy there, Kurt. Uh, it's always funny because I don't know what Bruno's going to say when we start the podcast. He just says he has something, and I let it, and we rock with it. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Words just come. That up. was a pretty good Bane voice. I have some experience as Bane. Those who know it, I Y K Y K. If you know, you know. Ooh, looks like you know. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> uh, so week three of the NFL season in the books. Uh, pretty good mix again. Kind of a mixed bag. We got some good. We had some bad. We had some ties. A tie. I mean. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll get into it first, a little bit of breaking news in terms of do, 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 do. <laughs> this is sports it's center brought to you, by. okay, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, on Tuesday today, the day we were recording the Vikings and the Titans have shut down, um, all in-person activities because of COVID tests that came back positive. Um, the Titans uh, and Vikings played this past week, and the uh, test results came back this morning. There's no way, I guess, apparently, according to this lab, that it could be a false positive. It is exactly uh, it is it is positive, and and this is the first real COVID scare the NFL has had. Yeah, and it's it's definitely interesting because we talked, I think, in the preview episode before the season about like our thoughts on COVID and like what might happen should some cases come up and like I think we all kind of almost collectively like forgot about it in a way for these first two weeks because it like they were testing and we were seeing reports that like people were coming back negative and things were good and then it's just like all today we just big fat reminder to the face hey like you know this can happen and like we're almost in a situation where it was it's almost like unthinkable if it's worst case scenario where like there might have to be teams who like can't practice during the week and may might affect the games. Right. And like uh, for the Titans, I guess, and I think the Vikings too, they won't even be allowed to be in their facility until Saturday. So there, uh, the NFL came out with a statement saying that they are planning to go forward with the games, uh, the Vikings and Titans games. I, I don't know exactly who they're playing this week. Uh, once again, should have checked it, but it's, it's one of these things where, this could have a ripple effect for a, a lot of teams. And it's interesting because we haven't heard too much about the COVID thing in the NFL because miraculously things have been so good on that front. Um, but you have to think like, I mean, by that, I mean, like if a player does come down with it, let's just throw a name out there. Let's just say Alvin Kamara came down with COVID. Does he have to sit out two weeks? Like how does, how does it all work? And it's stuff we don't know because we haven't had to experience it yet. Yeah, and that, that's a great point. And just adding on to that, I mean, I saw a report today that they were considering moving the games to Monday, which, like, I guess could help. But like you said, I mean, not having an entire week to practice. And I just don't even see, like, what you're going to justify that as. If if, you, if the, you're that team and you don't have in-person time to practice, prepare, whatever, and the team you're playing does, like, I just – I don't see how, like – I don't know if it's the spirit of competition. I don't know if there's rules, whatever. I just – that seems like a crazy situation. And like you said, like, is there a mandatory – if you have it, you're out? Or is it, like, as soon as you test negative, you're good? Like, I, I don't even know. Yeah, I who knows? And I, there was there was some rumor. I think, I think that's all it was. I think it was a rumor. I haven't seen really anyone of substance report on it. But that the Titans knew that two of their players had COVID. I saw that too. And I was like, okay, hold on. If yeah, that's like Saturday if, before the game. Right. If that's the case, 
Big yikes. That's a big yikes. If that was the Patriots, they might have, like, Roger Goodell might suspend every one of the Patriots for the rest of the year. He would have suspended New England. Just just that. <laughs> All of New England. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of watch it, play it by ear, but um, we'll see. Crazy. Yeah. And again, like you said, now they're doing all the contact tracing and testing everyone and seeing who has and who doesn't. And yeah, like there's a lot of implications that could come and like th- whatever they do now kind of sets the precedent, right? So like we're going to have to watch really close to see what ends up happening with those teams and the games this weekend. Yes, no doubt about it. Um, but with that being said, we're going to get into our week three recap. Uh, same thing as last week. We're not going to go through every game in explicit detail, but we're going to give you a quick recap on some stuff and then we'll... We'll kind of get into uh, the good, the better games. We'll the get meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. Potatoes. Um, so first and foremost, Thursday night football last week. Dolphins knocked off the Jaguars, thirty-one thirteen. Relatively boring game in my opinion. The Dolphins defense did look a lot better. Uh, specifically, Kyle Van Noy, the ex-Patriot. It was probably why because he was an ex-Patriot. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that one? No, it's just one of those classic games that Ryan Fitzpatrick has that just keeps him alive. And it's just the Fitz magic. It happens every once in a while. It keeps him alive and afloat as a starter backup in the league. It's just like one of, and like, of course, it comes against the Jaguars. Like, it's not against, you know, anyone uh, good. Anyone good, but just one of those games. And like, I don't know. I, I'm a little disappointed for the Jaguars, honestly. Like, what they started off week one beating the Colts, I think. And then yes. since then, they've lost yes. two in a row. Yeah. So, like, you, after week one, you were like, okay, we're, look, we're looking good. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, the Browns handled business at home by beating the Washington football team 34-20. Pretty, another pretty boring game. Yeah. I mean, again, good for Browns that they were able to win. Didn't look particularly great. It's going to be very interesting to monitor that situation, especially like everyone's always talking about OBJ. Does he want to get traded? Will he get traded? We'll see. So, yeah, that, not too much to add on that one. Matt Rule and the Panthers got uh, their first win of the season. Matt Rule gets his first win as head coach. They take down the chargers 21 16 uh i guess that one surprised me i think the panthers are pretty irrelevant and based on the way the chargers played the chiefs last week i thought for sure that the chargers chargers would be able to handle business this week uh no i was wrong it's just one of those classic games that we have every once in a while where it's just like we are pretty confident that like this team based on what we've seen so far is going to do this against the other team and it just is like what are we doing here so that's why you play the game bruno that's why you play the game uh, this one, this is a good one. The uh, 49ers practice squad pretty much went into MetLife Stadium for the second week in a row and took down the New York team. Uh, they absolutely curb stomped the Giants, thirty six to nine. Honestly, it's just kind of sad. Like I, as I, I know we have a lot of a lot of friends who are Giants fans, and honestly, Sorry. I, I just feel really bad. I just can't, you know, like you, there was all these stats that came out about not only how many players on the 49ers were out but how much of their like cap space and payroll it was like some crazy high number of like this is how much we're paying to the guys who aren't playing and they just come in there and like win like nick mullins backup just comes in there and is playing great and they're doing great and like as a giant it's like this was a winnable game absolutely for the giants they could have been in tied for first place well it's like when you're playing the hell like the helen keller school of the blinds oh, what i felt like they were doing I, like oh, it was just simply not oh, good geez. shout out those people shout i out. am one of those people that's why shout i'm shouting them out shout out one of those people all those people uh speaking of terrible new york teams uh the colts oh, blew out the jets good segue. hey that's thanks. a good segue. thanks thanks <laughs> colts blew out the jets uh absolute snooze fest 36 to 7 uh did they have a no i'd say the giants had a better game because they won 36 i mean they lost 36 to 9 the jets lost 36 to hey, 7 two more points two more points uh here's a here's a 
a, a random thought that I'm just going to toss your direction. Who's going to have a worse record, the Giants or the Jets, at the end of the year? I don't know why, but I whenever I see the Jets, I'm like, they're terrible. Whenever I see the Giants, my first impression is like, they should be better than they are. Like, I don't know why. It's just like, I feel like the Giants should be better. So I'm I'm saying your question is worst record. I'm taking Jets on that one. I just, okay. The Jets just seem like a complete mess. At least the Giants seem to have something. Yeah, Maybe. I feel you. I Here's another uh, hypothetical. Ooh. I'm a big hypothetical guy. Um, let's just say the Jets or the Giants have the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. You're sitting there with Daniel Jones for the Giants, and you're right. sitting there with Sam Darnold for the Jets. In the NFL draft, there's a specimen named Trevor Lawrence. An absolute specimen. And Justin Fields, who are two incredibly talented quarterbacks. But, you know, as of right now, everything is pointing towards, um, you know, possibly the Jets or the Giants being one of these teams who are going to have a chance at the, at the number one pick. What do you do if you are in that situation? Do you get rid of your quarterback now? What would you do? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's going to be on the talking block the whole season. I think what I've seen and what I kind of feel as well is like for the Jets side, it seems like if Adam Gase is going to get fired, you can kind of justify it where it's like you're bringing a new coach in. He wants his quarterback that he's going to draft. Again, I don't know the contract situation, but I think if you're number one and there's a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence available, it's like, really hard not to even though i will say i don't think it's like really that much on sam darnold like there's just nothing around him there is nothing around him but with that being said i also feel like i feel like we're getting to a dangerous point with sam darnold and the fact that he has no confidence like you i watched his post-game press conference this week and he just looks like the most dejected human being on the face of the earth and i wonder like there might not be no any coming back from that if it like gets to a point where the Jets are one and fifteen this season or something. Yeah, it it for sure seems like there's no coming back for him on the Jets. Yes. The question is, could, will another team take he a shot? He was my favorite quarterback that in that entire right. draft class. It was a deep draft class. Right. I was like, this guy can ball. Yeah, it's just so shitty that his he got right. stuck in new. In Gotham City. Oh, my God. Gotham's reckoning. Yeah. Um, the other side of your question, though, uh, really quick. Um, I know Daniel Jones hasn't played as much as Sam Darnold. I don't know the exact numbers. I just don't think – I think he was the year after or something like that. However, I'm sure you've seen those stats being like he has a ludicrous amount of turnovers in his to- – it's like 15 Luda. or 16 games. Yeah, Luda. <laughs> like 15 or 16 games and like 35 turnovers. Something crazy like yeah. that where it's he like He fumbles at like a ridiculous rate. Yeah. So, like, I don't even think if you're – the and like – also consider this, right? If Joe Judge first season has a terrible first season as coach, you kind of sometimes you're just desperate, right? And it's like, well, maybe we just like I'm the new coach. I didn't draft Daniel Jones. Maybe we just rebuild this with Trevor Lawrence. So I could see both of those teams. Well, like you said, there's Justin Fields too. I could yeah. see both those teams taking a quarterback. I think the Giants are going to have a better record. Going back to my original point, right. I just think I I know it's early, but I like the way Joe Judge coaches. I think Adam Gates is a buffoon, absolute buffoon. Like what a loser. Just uh, I'm, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, Jets fans. Sorry, no, Giants could, fans. Sorry, sorry, Jets fans. Sorry, New York. I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. I psych. There you go. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers moved to three and zero after taking down the uh, Houston Texans twenty eight twenty one. Texans now zero three. Bruno. I don't have anything for the Texans other than I just feel bad. Like that just sucked. Like yeah, to open your season, we said it. Yeah, we said it last week. But playing the 
Chiefs, Ravens, and Texans, or sorry, Steelers in back-to-back-to-back weeks to open the season. There's not a, like, there's probably not a harder combination of AFC teams, maybe the Patriots instead of the Steelers, but probably that, that's among the hardest you could get. I don't, and again, I don't even really know that I'm, there's much to take away for the Texans because I always thought coming into this year, they would lose to the good, good teams and beat the bad teams. So, so far they've held up the lose to the good teams part. We'll see what happens as yeah. they get an easier schedule. Zero uh, and three, though, it's getting desperate times for them. Uh, I do think the Steelers are lit. I think they're good, and they're definitely making the playoffs, and they can compete in the AFC North. They're currently uh, number one in the AFC North, but I think the three and zero is a little bit fluky. Not fluky. They deserve to be three and zero, but they haven't beat teams by like a, a wide margin. You know what I'm saying? Like they they snuck by Denver last week. They win by a score against the Texans. It's just not like super impressive wins, you know? Yeah, and it feels like I'm wondering when we're going to get out of the zone of saying like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger is still working his way back. Not like he looked bad. He looked fine. Yeah. I just feel like we're going to like to elevate them past that point where you're saying where we're almost questioning the record. We're going to need to see more from him and like more, whether that's yards, touchdowns or just spreading the field, not turning it over, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the key because like you said, they like it was only a one score game against right. the Texans. So like it wasn't that convincing of a win. Right. Uh, Lions get win number one of the year over the Cardinals. I think definitely the biggest upset of the week. Kyler Murray picked off three times in a 26-23 road win for the Lions. Yeah, we talked about like a minute or two ago about, or I don't know, time is a social construct. We talked about how the Chargers and the Panthers, that was one of those games where you didn't see coming. This is even more so yeah. for that because the Lions just look like an absolute mess. The Cardinals were, as we've said many times, shout out Kurt, uh, he predicted the Cardinals to be great. They are great. I just this was not a game that we saw the Lions winning or the Cardinals losing, and somehow here we are. Yeah, Matt Patricia's seat went from hot to warm. <laughs> yeah, hot to warm. Yeah, uh, Bruno, guess what? What? Here come the Bucks. Oh baby, Brady throws three touchdowns in a twenty-eight to ten victory at Denver. Any thoughts? Um, you know, it's always this is what I I think I've said this like a million times. Always impressive winning in Denver. People forget altitude. That's a thing, and people so, forget Brady sucks there. He does. We've had some terrible memories of Patriots Broncos games in Denver. Yeah, shoot. So not great. We don't need to relive those. But no. what we can relive, like you said, he looked good. I think obviously, you know, week one there was a lot of Kool Aid sipping going on from your, mm. your boy, and like that was against a good team in the Saints. I was looking at their schedule. I, I of course I don't have it up because we don't prepare stats; we just pull them out of our brains. Mm-hmm. He his schedule, their schedule moving forward is not of the caliber Correct. of like some of the elite teams. So. Correct. It's definitely possible they're going to continue winning some games and he'll look good, which I think is just what they need because like he needs to like build that yeah. confidence, get that experience, and I'm very much looking forward to later in the season seeing like if and when they all put it together what yeah. their peak is. Gronky had a couple catches finally. <laughs> I'm fairly positive on this very podcast last week you were like. Gronk is slow. Gronk is terrible. Gronk is old. I may have said those things too, but it was more you who was saying them. I think you predicted him to do nothing, and then I think I remember me saying you just jinxed him. I yeah, and I, <laughs> I think I followed that up by saying watch him catch like a hundred, like yeah. fourteen catches so, for hundred. So right, not not crazy, but he only had like seven for like forty eight yards. Yeah. But still, he was targeted a decent amount. Yeah, and I wonder if that was. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't care. Yeah, if, I'm um, over it. I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway, uh, the Bengals and Eagles, first tie of the year, Bruno, 23-23 in one of the most irrelevant games of our lifetime. Yeah, and so now I have a question for you. And again, we don't prepare these, so this is a live Mm-mm. question. Um, well, it's always, well, am well, I alive? Are well, you alive? We're live. Oh, 
Yes. Okay, let's do that later. We'll do that after the podcast. Um, what? So this is very controversial. A lot of lot of different opinions about what happened at the end of the game in the overtime. Oh. Basically, what ended up happening, Eagles had the ball. I think it would have been a 59-yard field goal with like 13 seconds left or something like that. That's after the penalty? or before? That was before. before. And then they got the penalty, which is a false start or something. It was five extra yards. So then it was a 64-yard field goal. So Doug Peterson coached the Eagles ready to kick the field goal at 59 changes his mind at 64 punts it essentially playing for the tie so like again i i haven't said my thoughts we haven't talked with this do you do you agree with that call or do you think he should have tried the 64 yard field goal so i think his downfall was before the field goal even i thought his play calling was so conservative leading up to that point like they weren't going for the win or for some reason you're content with trying a 55 yard 59 yard field goal or whatever it was like if that is if that's what you consider to be like a safe play, I don't there's nothing safe about a 58 somewhere between 55 and 60 yard field goal. That's no sure thing. Um so I thought that was incredibly weird and I, I think a lot of that was due to the play calling leading up. I actually like his decision to punt because if you miss that kick, Joe Burrow just needs to get like 15 yards or ish to have the Bengals set up for a a possible field goal. Um, so I don't mind the punt. I just thought everything leading up to that was pathetic. So here's my follow-up question. And again, not super significant, but just out of curiosity, where is the line for kick versus punt? Is it 60? Like, would you have kicked it at 59? Uh, No. So like, what's it? Do you have like, is it if there were four seconds on the clock? Yes. Oh, so it's the timing. Yeah, it was the time. Okay. If, if I was confident that the Bengals would not be able to run a play. Yeah. I'm I'm kicking it. Okay, so it was, it was more about the time left. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bruno, I can't think of it. Um, but is there a synonym for like a g- word of garbage that you would call the Eagles and Carson once? I can't remember. I can't. I, I mean, I can kind of think of one. I don't know if I may have said this already. I can't really remember, but it's actually Tarsh. Tar. Oh, that is what I was thinking. Yeah. Shout out our friend Sam Tarshall. Um, oh, the yeah. Eagles, not great. Yeah, uh, but they c- are Eagles, tarsh. not great. Carson Wentz, even worse. Yes. And again, Jalen Hurts is right there. Like, how long are we going to have to wait? What did I say last week? He's going to be there. He's going to be the starter. I don't know. Yeah. That's tough. All right. Let's get into some of the uh, really good games this weekend. Well, they might be good in in your opinion. They might be bad. I don't care. I don't care who you root for. Uh, The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Uh, Shock Atlanta. 30 to 26. Bruno, Atlanta stinks. They stink. They're it's 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 mind blowing at this point. There's no lead that they cannot blow. It is literally crazy. I'm trying to pull up right now what the lead was. The Bears in the fourth quarter outscored the Falcons twenty to nothing in the fourth quarter. Two. Which means quick math, not a math guy, quick math. Going into the fourth quarter, the Falcons were up twenty six to ten. Yeah, they blew a sixteen point lead. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh they um they stink. It's it's they're leaving us speechless with how bad they are. Uh, Dan, I was talking about Matt Patricia's seat going from hot to warm. Dan Quinn's seat went from hot to like volcanic eruption. He's he is in the volcano. Yeah. He's like <laughs> under the lava. Is he the volcano? Oh, that's a great question. We'll mm. have to find out next week if it erupts. But uh, <laughs> I I just don't even know what to say. I mean, you they always say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Maybe they're saying it's not how you finish, it's how you start because they seem to like I, get uh, to these leads. 
And then it's like, oh, we're done. But no, you ain't. No, I know. and this is the second week in a row. They blew that ridiculously to the Cowboys last week, up 20. Yeah. It's so. like... <sighs> and, like, at least you could say with the Cowboys that, like, they're a good... There's a lot of talent. They're good. Whatever. The Bears, first of all, they benched Mitch Trubisky that in was, the middle of the yes. game. I know Nick Foles come in. I know there's a lot of jokes about Nick Foles. And, you know, he won a Super Bowl, whatever. He's not Tarsh. Uh, Eagles take notes. He yeah, got him going. Not Tarsh. Um, but it's like, even still, you the Bears as a team... They're one of those fraudulent 3-0 yeah, teams. Sorry dude. to Chicago people, but it's true. It's it's not the same. Like Again, not that I'm defending the Cowboys collapse because that was horrible, but at least you could be like, it was the Cowboys. Doing this against the Bears? Like, bro, what's next? Doing this against the Jets? Oh, got him. Got him. I, yeah, I, Nick Foles coming in and kind of saved the day for those uh, for the Bears. And uh, he got named starter this upcoming yeah. week. So. The Mitch Trubisky era could be over in Chicago. Yeah. And it should be over in Chicago. I've seen other people say this, so this isn't my original thought, but I do feel a little bit bad for Mitch because, like, it's not necessarily his fault that all oh. that stuff with Mahomes happened. Like, I know, again, I. I oh, the Mahomes stuff, yes. Yeah, yeah, like all those people behind oh, him. So you're saying, you mean, like, the comparisons? Know, no, no, no. You're saying that, like, you know, the, the Bears could have taken. Well, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. That's true, but they didn't take. That's, Patrick well, Mahomes. that's true. That's and they true. took Mitch Trubisky. I know. I know. Is that so what you're again, talking about? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just it saying. Is. It's hard to not feel bad for him because, like, it is so evident how much better the quarter and Watson, Deshaun Watson, too. It's night and day how better they are than him, and he's just like the third guy. Like, hey guys, I was uh, drafted before you. Ha ha. Like that's <laughs> well, the only thing you can, look you can ever say. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I mean. I think coming into this year, he was on the hot seat too. Clearly, after three weeks, didn't do enough to keep the job. I was so. shocked that he even won the job. When yeah. they announced he was going to be the starter, I was like, what the hell happened to Nick Foles? Because yeah. I'm, I'm all about Nick Foles. Like, what he did to the Patriots in the Super Bowl forever changed my opinion of him. And it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, the Fal- I don't think the Falcons can recover from this 0-3 start. The Bears, I think, you know, they're 3-0, and but they're in the division, a tough division with, with Green Bay and stuff. I think they'll fade. Uh, they can make the playoffs, but I don't think. Yeah, they have a realistic shot of finishing second in the division because yes, for the sure. Vikings are just absolutely horrible. Yeah, and the, the Lions, like, yeah, they had a great win against the Cardinals, but you can't count on that. So they have a good chance of finishing second. I don't know if that means anything, but at least it won't be fourth in the division. Correct. Uh, speaking of the Vikings, let's talk about them because they lose a heartbreaker to the Titans, 31-30. to They drop to 0-3 on the year. The Titans, on the other hand, they go to... 3 and 0 on the year. A lot of these 3 and 0, 0 and 3 teams, but like it's it's strange to me. Um I think the story of this game is more about the Vikings and the Titans in my mind, and I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like the the Vikings have pieces. They just can't figure it out. Yeah, like, and that and that's so true. Davon Cook, incredible. He's playing out of his mind. He's 22 so good. carries, 181 yards, one touchdown. Right. 181 yards? Are you shitting me? Yeah, and then, not to be um, well, outdone a little bit, but not by that much, Justin Jefferson, rookie, um, he's a rookie, right? Rookie yes. receiver, has like seven catches for 175 yards. Bruno. Like, the pieces are there. What did I say in the NFL draft when it was happening? Who did I want? Well, it seems like you want all the players who ended up being good, Kurt. So. Yeah, I wanted Justin Jefferson. Well, I want to sit him. He's been healthy and active for three weeks. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so... And, l- Justin going Jefferson point, is legit. Yeah, he's legit. Legis. And again, like you said, they have the pieces. The only thing... I I agree. Overall, the story is definitely just the Vikings continue to under to not get it done. I will say about the Titans, though. Um, 
credit to Steven Gasowski. I'm not going to lie yes. to you because week one, if people forget, he missed, I think, like five kicks, like four field goals and extra point. Extra point. It was so Since bad. then, he's been like one of the best kickers in the league. He made six field goals in this game. He was six for six. And he didn't. some of them were chippies. They yeah. were like chip shots. He also made field goals of 51, 54, and 55. Yeah. And the game winner, they were down 30 to 28, right? And yeah. Made, yeah so for like, someone who was pronounced literally dead yeah. three, two weeks ago, uh, what a what a turnaround. And I'm so happy for Gostowski because right. it ended... It ended, unfortunately, pretty badly in New England for him. Uh, he was terrible at the beginning of last year. Then he goes on IR for the rest of the year. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he wasn't. He had surgery. Um, and now he's out balling again. And Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Um, Derrick Henry was a beast for them. 26 carries, 119 yards, two touchdowns. He's, he is what he is. Yeah, you had to figure that was coming. Ryan Tannehill kind of amazes me. He... Not with anything he does, really. But <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, it just he's so consistent, and he's so yeah. even keel, and he's so composed. Like, his stat line is, you know, 321 yards and an interception, but he's I think he's like the perfect quarterback for that team. Let me let me toss something out there for you, Kurt. Toss it. We were just talking about an AFC East quarterback languishing away for years on mm. a terrible AFC East team, Ooh. changing scenery, mm. leading a team to success. So I'm not saying there's any hope for – well, I guess it's not really hope for Jets fans because he would be leaving. But, you know, just saying – hey, just saying that Brian Tannehill. Who would have thought when he left Miami this is what would end up happening? Not I. Not I. Either. Simply not I. So, um, But, yeah, Vikings dropped to 0-3. Yikes. Tough. Big yikes. Tough. Um, I think this next game was my favorite of the entire weekend. Not because of the outcome, but because of the game. Josh Allen and the Bills, 35. Jared Goff and the Rams, 32. Kind of crazy. Uh, beyond crazy. What a game. What a game. Uh, this is one that I I will admit, hand up. I know everybody can't see me, but my hand is currently up right now. Kurt, can you confirm my hand is up? I can confirm. Bruno's right hand is about shoulder shoulder width. I mean, no, width is not the word. Shoulder height now. It's above his head. <laughs> my hand is firmly up. I saw that the Bills were up big, and I was kind of watching as they were getting up big. Didn't follow it at all. Next thing I know, the Rams were winning, and I was like, bro, what? I could not believe it. Well, I was pissed because we that was one of the games we picked in our in our pick yep. six. Uh, we both took the Rams. Yep. And I was like, God damn it. They're down 28 to 3. Hmm. Hmm. And then I looked back at I think the little the little scrolly thing at the bottom ticker. comes across. Ticker. And I was like, what the heck? The the Rams are winning? And we yep. we we on NFL Sunday ticket or whatever, and we, we we watched it, but it, um, what a game! I just something about twenty eight to three for now, and I I when I got when Buffalo got out twenty eight to three, I was like, damn, okay, they are legit legit, and then the Rams came back, and I was like, okay, well, are the Rams legit legit, or are they legit. or are they both legit legit? Yeah, um, I Jared Goff had one of his better performances. Josh Allen just continues to be a goddamn workhorse for that team. Um, shoot, I don't even know what to say. I just that game was ridiculous. Yeah, and honestly, I think it like obviously the Bills are happier because they won, right? So for the Bills, like you said, the takeaway is we were kind of questioning after the first two weeks, like is this going to continue against some of the better teams? The answer is yes. Josh Allen clearly is balling. Confidence is at an all time high. That's a great look for Buffalo. He, you know, it's pretty safe bet to see that's going to keep going. The Rams. All you have to do is just do what you did in the second half. Like it's it's clearly there, and I think what we've been seeing over this past like year or so. Again, 
since the Super Bowl. Shout out Patriots. Shout out. They've just been very inconsistent. We just have to make sure, or th- sorry, we, they just have to make sure moving forward that they kind of are able to put that kind of performance on, not just for halves at a time, but for games at a time. What do you, I know we, we texted briefly about this after the game. I thought that pass interference penalty in the end zone with like 18-ish seconds to go. It was on fourth and goal. Josh Allen threw a pass to his left. I don't remember who the receiver was, um, but the pass was incomplete. And what I consider to be a very ticky-tack pass interference penalty happened. You were 100% correct. Bruno responded like, yeah, maybe the call is what it was. But the Bills still had to score a touchdown, and they did on the next play. Uh, Josh Allen hit Tyler Croft, Croft, uh, Croft, I think, in the in the end zone for a three-yard touchdown to win the game. But um, I didn't like that call, not in that time. I felt like it had to be a very blatant, obvious penalty, and I, I don't think it was. Yeah, I mean, first of all, shout out that however many times it's always been where there have been the blatant calls against Gronk holding in the end zone every single time that they yeah. haven't called. I'm the same with you. They called this instead of all those other ones. So, like, I'm right there with you in that the call. Um, I think when we were, you know, we don't always talk about stuff, but sometimes Kurt and I just get excited and we talk about stuff beforehand. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the one of the few things we talked about. My only point was that, yes, you can make the fair case that saying, you know, arguably the Rams should have won this game because if that call doesn't happen, the game's over. Right. You can you can say that and I won't really fight you on that. All I was trying to say was not only did the Rams come all the way back and that has to be demoralizing to blow a big lead like that. But then they were able to, you know, with the call in mind, they were able to finish it off the next play and actually score that touchdown, actually complete the comeback. Not just, you know, Oh man, I just thought, I don't, I don't love saying this, not just Cam Newton drive all the way down the field and not score in the end zone. That was tough. I'm sorry. That was the first thing I thought of. They actually finished it off. Right. So like, I was just impressed that, it's it said a lot about the Bills, I think, that not only were they confident when they were winning and getting out to a big lead, but they were confident and they were able to execute after they blew it in with all these circumstances. So yeah. that's all that's all I was saying. So yeah, Bills went to three and oh, Rams dropped to two and one. Patriots uh, could have used that. Yeah, that damn, lot, I so know. Pats sucks. really could have used that. Um Packers thirty seven, Saints thirty. Aaron Rodgers is hashtag still really good. Uh Alvin Kamara is also still hashtag really good. Yeah, um, you're welcome, Packers fans. Uh, in our season preview, I said Aaron Rodgers was bad. Who deserves all the credit for motivating him to play good? I think it's your boy. Um, honestly, though, on a serious note, I I remember when Matt Lafleur, coach of the Packers, got hired. I it was just kind of another one of those names, and I was just kind of like, oh, okay, like he's just some coordinator. Like we'll see. I, I remember people were talking about him, saying he was exciting, whatever, blah blah blah. Clearly, something's working because their offense so far in these three games is literally on fire they've scored 43 42 and 37 right and so i would also like to point out real quick not this this is of super significance in our fantasy league mm-hmm. it was your boy and i'm talking about me seeing Devonte adams potentially being injured for this week i go to the waivers have my pick of the packers wide receivers <laughs> i see marcus valdley scanting mvs i don't even know how to say his name whatever i hate him he's dead to me forever i see him and i see alan lazard i'm like hmm I know who MVS is. His name sounds familiar. I think he's the number two guy after Adams. Let me pick him up. Two days later, Kurt goes on the waiver wire. He's like, oh, Alan Lazard's there? I was like, Let me pick him I was up. like, hold on. My entire team is hurt. My entire team is injured. Right. Let me pick a receiver. And then on Friday, two days later, on Sunday, 
what what happens? Al Lazard has a billion catches for a billion yards and a billion touchdowns. MVS does literally nothing. Lazard had six receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown. I'm not mad. Def, I'm, there's no anger in my voice. I'm not. I mad. mean, I still got absolutely smoked in in, in the game, but that was a good pickup. Yeah. So again, just it, it just goes to show again back to you know getting serious. Aaron Rodgers can make it seems like he can make wide receivers good out of nothing. Seems like their system is good, like the offense they're running. So they're really good. Saints again continue to be a little inconsistent. Like I, it's kind of funny too. Like I saw a lot of people talking about this. Drew Brees throws fifty-two yard touchdown pass to Kamara. The pass was five yards, and Kamara ran the whole field down to the exactly. Zone. Very deceptive <laughs> statistics in that in that sense of so, things. I think. Um, the Packers are legit, and I think <sighs> the Jordan Love thing for the Packers. I consider that to be exactly what happened what with saying. Tom Brady and Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. I, when you, you just pause right there, I could see Kurt thinking as he paused right there. We didn't talk about this. You I know. knew that's what he was going to say. Yeah, if I picked up Garoppolo in the second round of 2014, so not not the first round, but um, a very high draft pick on a quarterback, and I think your quarterback who is the starter is like, oh, shit. They're thinking about replacing me. And I'm not blaming the Patriots or the back of the Packers for for selecting a quarterback. They're trying to prepare for their future. I do think it was stupid for the Packers to take that pick uh, on a quarterback. They could have used help elsewhere. But not the point. I, I understand their thought process on making sure they're set up for the future. Um, but I think – that also can show a lot about your starter if they're motivated to keep playing at a high level or if they pack it in. And Aaron Rodgers has not packed it, and he's been phenomenal. Um, going back to your point about Kamara, the dude's a freak. It's like not only can he run the ball. I mean, the Saints had trouble running the ball that night. Uh, but Kamara had 13 receptions, 139 yards, <laughs> and two touchdowns. He's laugh. a goddamn running back. Jam. <laughs> I unreal dude yeah and I just it's just one of those things where like remember before the season when there was those rumors that they were going to trade him mm-hmm. who was saying that who, who almost did that dude I don't know. because how could you possibly and it's this isn't I mean obviously it's new like we haven't seen in a while but this is who he's been right so like how could you possibly see that player and be like oh yeah we don't need him we'll trade him yeah, yeah like sheesh um, so now, now the Saints dropped to one and two, and they're looking up in the division at Hoover. Oh, it's uh, the Buck, the Buckaroos, the Buckaroonies. Yep. Um, but a really, really good Sunday night football game. Uh, that was one of the high quality games of the weekend. Another high quality game. Cowboys thirty one, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks thirty eight. Russell Wilson's good. I know that's a scorching hot take featured previously on the show. So TM uh, playing the field for that take, but he's pretty good. He's so good. I don't even know what to say anymore. I, here's what I'll say. And I've, My, uh, I'm going to pause you. My note for this entire game says Russell Wilson. Good. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's my entire that's note fantastic. for the game. I it's now three games in a row. He threw for five more touchdowns this week, Bruno, five more touchdowns. We're not math guys. We've made that very clear on the show. Not math, guys. not math guys. 14 touchdown passes passes in three weeks. It's it's legit crazy. Here's the only thing I'm gonna say, and I and uh I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on this too. Like, we've seen this happen over three weeks now. Is this what the Seahawks are saying the formula to win is? Because like these are all close games, they're one score games. I know, you know, Russell can't control the defense. Their defense is gonna be better. They know that. But like part of me is just like 
I don't want to doubt Russell Wilson at this point, but like, are we going to have the rest of the season there? He just throws four to five touchdowns a game and they win. Like, right. Because in, uh, similarly to the Packers, they've scored 38, 35 and 38. So they're putting up ridiculous numbers too. But I, I don't think that's the formula to win games. Right. I, 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 I don't, I feel like, you know, they have to be, they have to be way better defensively. Right. Um, right, because that's not a that's not a championship defense right now. Um, no. So Russell Russell Wilson is hiding a lot of the flaws that right. the Seahawks have. I think. And now that now that you're saying that, you're making me realize like it's hard to to it's harder to try to establish the run when it's close game. Like you have Russell Wilson, right. what's going to give you the best chance of success? Letting him pass, right? Yep. So maybe their defense starts to play better. They have some bigger leads and there's more separation. Maybe that's less less they're making him throw and more they're establishing the run game. I know Chris Carson, I think he just hurt his hip or something. He always I feel like he always Did gets you injured. see how he got hurt? Uh actually I didn't see how he got hurt. Okay. So Oh, oh, the 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 dirty hit. Yes. yes. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't see it live. Yeah, so Chris Carson runs to the right for a minimal gain, and he's on the ground. And I don't know the name of the cowboy who tackled him. Let's not even name him. Unnamed. Uh, unnamed douchebag wraps up. Has Chris Carson wrapped around the legs? Chris Carson is on the ground. So is the the unnamed cowboy, and the cowboy player rolls over, which is like a, apparently like an unwritten rule in the NFL. Like if you're down, you're down. Don't do anything in a pile that could get someone hurt. Well. He rolls over while still holding Carson's legs, while Carson's like on his stomach, and like Carson apparently really hurt his really hurt his knee. He was getting an MRI. I don't know how it came out, but Pete Carroll was hot about it after. He was pissed. So, um, not great. Chris Carson has been a big part of what they've done so far this year. Yeah, and so hopefully he's all right. Hopefully the NFL takes a look at that hit because like you just you really especially you know such vivid memories of all the stuff and Dominic Sue has done over the years. Like you just hate seeing that every single time. I'm sure not even the Cowboys are defending it. So yeah, tough to see hopefully for, you know, not that I'm rooting for Seattle, but for their success and figuring it out, he's yeah. healthy and can come back. Metcalf has been an absolute animal all season. He had another 110 yards and touchdown. You see his, uh, Oh yeah. He missed. <laughs> he had a blunder though. Yeah, the he, blunder. Had, he had a blunder. <laughs> um, but I think what's been more impressive to me is Tyler Lockett. He's kind of gone off. I he's like one of, if not the best, maybe one of the best fantasy receivers in terms of points. And I'm and obviously we're talking about real life, not fantasy. But like I've just been seeing the numbers he's been putting up. It's crazy. Nine receptions this week, hundred yards and three touchdowns. Like Tyler Lockett. What's that? Thirty points in fantasy. Yeah, that's something ludicrous. Ridic- like Luda. Luda. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. That, that was good. good. We gotta incorporate that yep. moving forward. Um, yeah. So I I don't have much to add other than he's just playing out of his mind. I mean. Like that's kind. It's kind of cool for Russell Wilson that he has him like those two types of receivers in DK Metcalf and him, like the speedster Tyler Lockett, like absolute burner, and then Metcalf who can just go up and is an absolute physical like specimen. So good for him that he has those two different types of receivers. Correct. Um, moving on to the last game before we talk about the Patriots, uh, Monday Night Football game. The uh, Chiefs knock off the Ravens, thirty-four to twenty. Yeah, we fucked that one up. Yeah, we fucked that one up. <laughs> I have four takes. Oh, my God. Four takes. Okay. Four, there are four quick notes. Okay. Hit, him, hit me. Okay. Andy Reid is a genius. That is Facts. a sentence. That is a sentence. Facts. One. Sentence two. Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. Ah, sad facts. Three. The Ravens look shell-shocked. Happy facts. Happy fact. The fourth fact. The Chiefs have more weapons than the, than the United States military. That's also 100% confirmed true. Confirmed. I don't get it. I, 
last night looked like Andy Reid was like playing a game of Madden, drawing up ridiculous formations, ridiculous play calls. That like I, he is just so damn smart. He puts Patrick Mahomes and all of those Chiefs skill players in positions to succeed on every single play. The Ravens tried to blitz. Patrick Mahomes was like almost almost perfect against the blitz yesterday. They try to drop out and play zone. He picks it apart or he runs. I I was literally dumbfounded watching that game last night. Yeah, and just speaking to that and to your point, combining those two into one right here, just in case Edward Hilaire, rookie running back, wasn't enough, or Tyree Kill, or Mecole Hardman, or Sammy Watkins, or Travis, or Travis Kelsey, yeah. It just in case those weren't enough, he's throwing touchdowns to like offensive linemen. And like, it's yeah. like, what is he doing? And like Anthony Sherman, shout out UConn. Like he has just, it's just like great. It's like, how do you guard the Chiefs? I, I don't know if it's even physically possible. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I'm excited to see Bill Belichick try next week. <laughs> yeah. Keyword try. Try. <laughs> just try. Yeah. Um. The Chiefs are what the Chiefs are. They're the defending champs for a reason. They got like a legit shot to do it again. Yep. What the hell happened to the Ravens at the beginning of that game? The Chiefs' defense hasn't been anything special over the last two over the first two weeks. I know it's a small sample size, so like we can't put too too much weight into it. But that defense was flying around the field last week, and what I Steve Spagnuolo did with the Chiefs' defense is they kind of they kind of put eight ish guys in the box, and they're like you're not running the ball, so beat us in the air. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do next week against the Patriots. I they're going to look at Cam and be like, <laughs> "No, you're not running like at will. You're if you're going to win the game, beat us in the air." I don't know. Two takes for that. Two two takes to fire back at your four. So not equal, but half. Not a math guy, but that's half. Number one, Cam Newton better passer than Lamar Jackson. Just Correct. Throwing that out there. Correct. Number two, an absolutely delightful take that I would love to indulge, and I'm just going to say that it's true. Lamar Jackson can't win the big games. I, let's not even try to like figure it out. He just can't win the big games. Yeah, no, he really in the playoffs, can't. he always folds, and in against the Chiefs, he always folds. So like, I'm I'm here for this take where it's like when the lights come on, he uh, Patrick Mahomes he is does his not da- shine. Patrick Mahomes is his daddy. Oh, call me call me daddy. Call him daddy because Lamar. That's what Lamar is doing. Yeah, because he did you? There were, I like audibly laughed out loud yesterday when they showed the stat. It was like Mahomes stats and then Lamar stats where oh, he threw for was... like 35 yards and Mahomes had like 290 something. Yeah, that was tough. I was like they really did him dirty yep. with that stat. Or he did himself dirty. The dirty birds did themselves dirty. Ooh, I like that. I hate John Harbaugh. Oh. <laughs> I honestly I didn't know where we were transitioning to. I like where we ended up with that. <laughs> I hate him. I yeah. I'm sure I you can't throw to offensive linemen. Oh it's not in the rule book. Yeah, I hate I, yeah, him. I'm not a not a fan. I don't mind the Ravens. I hate John Harbaugh. Yeah, they're just I, I, big trust. I, for one, like again, I don't like the Chiefs. I was not mad at the Ravens getting embarrassed on national television. Was not mad about. No, them. I have some Ravens friends. That I uh, texted rudely yesterday. Ooh, it wasn't polite. Um, however, I'm I might be receiving the rude text back in a no, week. When, I, week I couldn't even fathom what you're about to say when the Chiefs play the Patriots. So no, no, we'll no, see. No, no. Was uh, st- tune in for our picks. Any, <laughs> any. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Any more uh, thoughts from this one? The only other thought I'd have is like, the Chiefs looked really good, and then it's almost like they got to a point where they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna win," and it's like they probably could have scored a lot more points if they really, really yeah. wanted to. The Ravens' defense. Uh, no pause. The the Ravens' offense. No, that was right. The Ravens' defense kept them in the game. Um, yeah, for a, a little bit. 
Yeah. A little bit. I, I feel like, though, it's almost like the Chiefs. It's like they're the only ones who are really going to stop them. Like, if they – if they and, again, it's, it's only fair because they're so good. But, like, it almost feels like they get in the zone and then it's like – they kind of just know they're going to win. And it's like, they almost don't need to do that the whole game. It would be scary for them to play at peak performance the whole game. Cause right. I feel like they could have almost broke 50. Well, it's like the Ravens had no time of possession in the first half. They had, they didn't do anything with the football. Yeah. So it's like the chiefs were on the field literally the whole time. Yeah. And Andy Reid was like, he, he, he watched <laughs> just this. giggling. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's, that's what happened in week three, yep. uh, in the rest of the league, uh, transitioning to your new England Patriots. <laughs> Uh, that was the weirdest noise that yeah, ever came we, out of my We're going to workshop that one. Yep. Uh, I might cut that out. Probably not, though. <laughs> um, the Patriots beat the, the previously undefeated Las Vegas Raiders 36-20. Do you usually like to start? Do you, you want to start? No, I want you to start. Oh, very nice of you, Kurt. Mm-hmm. How polite of you, Kurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously a great win. Um, I was hoping for this sort of bounce back win, especially after week two. Um, yes. There's a lot of stuff we'll get into. I guess I'll just pick some place to start. I was a little worried at the start of the game. Not going to lie. First drive from the Raiders looked really good. Kind of just how the Raiders in general started the game looked pretty good. And then just somehow we found a way to take the lead and keep playing better and better. And, like, we ended up with the W. So I'm happy that, like, even if it didn't start great, and it wasn't horrible, even if it just didn't start, you know, dominant, at least we, you know, we're the opposite of the Falcons. Not how you start, it's how you finish. The perfect game for Bill Belichick, I think, because – the Patriots win kind of going away. They win by over two scores. But Belichick can get them in the team room for film and be like, you did A, B, C, D, E, and F wrong. <laughs> but you still won the game by two scores against a previously undefeated team. Yeah. So you win the game, but Belichick can take you to the woodshed in film, which I'm sure he is, and you can prepare for the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I was happy about the win. A very complimentary football game. Special teams, the defense caused turnovers. Um Run Bel- game. Belichick, the run game. Whole, the offensive run game was yeah. ridiculous. Bill Belichick, for as much as Andy Reid is, is an evil genius on offense, Bill Belichick is that dude on defense. Can I ask you something? You sure can. I'm sure you've seen it because you're. You know, we talked about your Twitter bubble. I saw some Patriots. I, I don't know. I, I should have looked more into this. I saw some people saying he like double teamed the checkdowns. Yep. And I, whoever tweeted it was like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Bill Belichick <laughs> allocated two receivers, I mean, two defensive backs to cover the running back out of the backfield as a check down. Right. Because apparently um, Derek Carr had a lot of success throwing to his backs in the previous couple weeks. And Bill Belichick's plan was, okay, we're going to rush four or five. We're going to get pressure. And so when you have pressure, the first thing a quarterback does is he looks to his hot route and he looks to his check down. So... If Bill Belichick believes that, okay, if I play pretty much man across the board and I, I feel confident in my defensive back that they can beat your guy, beat your receiver, I'm going to take away take away your, your safety valve. So Bill Belichick, this, he's a bad man. Bad, bad man. man. He, takes away the, he takes away the check down. So now Derek Carr gets pressure. Chase Winovich is coming at him at 1,000 miles an hour. Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, Jonathan Jones, and the gang – J.C. Jackson, all had their Dang. guys strapped. And Belichick's like, well, I'm going to take your safety valve with two guys. So Derek Carr's sitting there like, I have literally nowhere to throw the football. <laughs> I, dude, it, I've, I've also never seen a running back be double covered almost every time he leaves the backfield. Not even a good running back. I mean, Josh Jacobs is a good running back, yeah. but he's not like a super yeah, yeah. Not receiving a threat. Yeah. yeah. It was wild. Yeah. And like, like you're saying, it was just kind of one of those things where like, 
I'm glad that they were talking through it because I was almost like I was watching. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I know that they're, the Raiders are not doing as well, but I was like, what is really happening here? So I appreciated the breakdown of it. Let me ask you this. How'd you like uh, the Darren Waller coverage? Uh, Darren Waller. I know you have him on fantasy. Right, you do? Or you don't have him on fantasy? In one of my leagues, I do. Yeah, okay. Um, so that wasn't great, but. I <laughs> I think there were times where Derek Carr got too into his own head for his own good. Darren Waller was covered very well on a, a multiple occasions. Was he bracket covered a couple times? Yes. Um, but there were also plenty of times where it was Jawan Williams on him, one-on-one, on like third downs, and Dave, Derek Carr didn't look his way. And I'm like, okay, this is your best player. Your offense hasn't really done anything. Sometimes you need to force feed him the ball. He got four targets, two receptions, nine yards. And I think Derek Carr in his head is thinking, okay, what does Bill Belichick do best? Bill Belichick takes away your best player. Well, Darren Waller is your best player on offense. And he took him away, but not to the extent that a lot of people thought he was going to take him away. So I think Derek Carr was like, okay, I ain't throwing at him because he's going to be covered. I think Bill bought some real estate in uh, the car brain. The car brain. Uh, yeah, it w- Bill, masterful defensive <laughs> performance. Uh, Chase Winovich, strip sack. There's a strip sack in the end zone by Dietrich Wise. Yep. For not having a lot of big names on this team, it's really, really impressive what they're doing. Like I, I know Russell Wilson tore him up, but Russell Wilson's tearing everyone up. So that kind of is what it is. I'm really impressed. I don't know about you. Yeah, and again, this is something I think you said about a billion times in episode one, but it's true. It's a testament to coaching, right? Like, what else could it even be? Like, yes, it's culture. Yes, do your job. There's That's all true, right? But, like, it just seems like we have these coaches who are just absolutely maximizing the full potential out of a lot of these guys. Maybe it takes a year. Maybe Chase Minovich, like you said, took a year for him to kind of get to this point, but they're going to get them there eventually, and it's like – it's kind of awesome to see. I'm not going to lie because we've discovered that that seems to be the formula for sustained success, right? You can't go out and sign. You you, you go out and sign a Gilmore when he's there and when you need it. And, you know, you have those signings here and there. You, you don't build your entire team by doing those signings, right? It's about drafting the right guys, coachable guys, and then just get believing in your coaching staff to get them to the point where, you know, they're all starting to blossom like we are seeing over the course of these first three weeks. Absolutely. And even last year. They were good last year. Absolutely. Um, let's Let's – uh, change topics quickly and go to the offensive side of the ball. I'm ready. Um, early in the game, the Patriots' offense stunk. Oh, yeah. Like, it was hot garbage. Uh, I, I was thought, so confused dude, watching it. Me too. I was like, they ran the ball so well in week one. They threw the ball so well in week two. I was like, this is going to be a perfect mix against a bad defense. Yep. And the entire first – well, really the entire first half, aside from that last drive where they scored, a, like, a, a touchdown, the offense was – was poor. And I thought Josh McDaniel's play calling was poor. Uh, there, the, the offense looked completely out of sync. It looked way too congested. Nothing was spread out. Um, I, I didn't like it at all. I felt like they were always in third and long and that's, that's not staying in front of the sticks. You want to always be like third and one, third and two, third and three, very where you can do anything pretty much and, and have success to pick up third downs. Patriots were terrible on third down all day. But they were carried completely by their running game, um, which I think, which I think was my biggest takeaway in the fact that the Patriots are like a chameleon on offense. They can change what they're going to do on a week to week basis. So 
Week one against the Dolphins, a ton of Cam Newton running, a ton of zone reads, a ton of option stuff. Week two, they aired it out. Cam Newton throws for 400 yards. Week three, you hand off traditional straight power run game to your running backs and let them let them eat. Sexy Rexy. Sexy Rexy, Sony Michelle, JJ Taylor, and the boys were ready to rock. Yeah, and that I don't have too much to add because you did a great job covering right there, but I fully agree, and I think it's particularly exciting because one of the things that you and I were talking about that was something we were maybe nervous, maybe excited, whatever to see before the season was, what is it going to look like, right? And what's kind of cool is like you've kind of said, we've almost had three games, not, you know, like completely, completely different, but it's like different focus and different game plan and different type of that we want to attack. And so that's just really exciting because like you can have one style that like you're really, really good at, but there's always going to be something there that can like try to counter it, right? But if you're flexible enough to be able to adapt and execute on those adaptations on a week to week basis, that's super exciting. And like, A, for a fan, it's very entertaining because like you never know what you're going to get and you can switch it up. But B, again, like you're just, you're going to need to be able to adapt over the course of a game, week to week, over the whole season. And like being able to do it all is great. And I just want to be able to continue putting together. Like, I want to see what you kind of said at the beginning where we kind of see all of it in one game. That would be great too. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, so the offense, the running backs were phenomenal. Again, like 38 carries for 250 yards. Unreal. I think that when shit was kind of going bad for the Patriots offense, they turned to J.J. Taylor, the undrafted free agent running back out of Arizona, who's, you know, five foot six, short guy. No one knows him, blah, blah, blah. He runs low. To, well, he is low to the ground, but he <laughs> runs low to the ground. And he's he's so quick to the hole. He gave them a little bit of a burst. Uh, Rex was amazing uh, out of the backfield catching the ball, and when he ran the ball, he ran so quick, found a hole, hit it. And everyone's like, damn. Sony Michelle might never see the field again. And that was kind of a, a hot topic all week. Sony Michelle is the most overrated first-round pick, blah, 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 blah. I've been a Sony Michelle supporter for a couple years. I, I defended him last year. I think he was such he, – he is the reason or a large part of the reason they won in 2018. Yep. Yep. Um, in those playoff games. And I've heard you say that multiple times. Multiple times. It's just he obviously has injury history. He is not what he was at Georgia. He is way slower. And he's – Josh McDaniels, I think, did a really good job this week as the game went on getting Sony Michelle in situations that he does for Rex Burkhead. And by that, I mean typically when Sony Michelle runs the ball, it's – uh, personnel with like a tight end or two and a fullback and a running back. And every time he's in the game, you pretty much know a run's coming. Well, this week they did a lot of like uh, personnel with no fullback in the game for him. And it was more, okay, we'll kind of spread the field a little bit and give you more running lanes, um, which I liked because it gave some gave him some space to, to operate. And he, there were some huge holes for him to run through, but at the same time, he like made people miss at the line of scrimmage. He had a 48-yard run and a 38-yard run. Uh, that's something he hasn't shown like, ever since he was a Patriot. So I thought that was really exciting to see. Uh, so hopefully he turned a corner. Here's a question for you. Oh, actually, before we get into this, shout out to the offensive line because David Andrews is, is going to be out for three weeks. Yeah, sad. Hope Joe Tooney sad. moves to center, and the sixth-round pick from Michigan – Pick 182 in the draft. Michael Onwenu. On, I don't even know how you say <laughs> his name. Nailed it. Justin Hebert. Michael O. <laughs> from Michigan. Um, 
a beast. He started at left guard, right guard, one of the guard, left guard. Right. Um, left sorry. Guard. Right. Correct. <laughs> that was <laughs> correct. <laughs> was like, Affirmative. <laughs> Confirmed. Started at left guard and was the highest rated player on the Patriots offense. A sixth round pick from this week. And then Isaiah Wynn got uh, cramped up, I guess, for a yep. drive. And um, Justin Heron, don't know his <laughs> name. <laughs> I just keep this. Don't ever look it up. Just continue to do this. <laughs> Another sixth round pick from this year come, fills in, and, and the Patriots run right behind him. Right. So, like, damn. I don't know. Here's something. I'm sorry. I've been talking for a long time. No, it's okay. Hey, keep it rolling. Bill Belichick's last two draft classes looking sneaky good. Sneaky good. For someone who says Bill Belichick can't draft, um, well. A pretty good, I think. If you look back at last year's draft, Nikhil Harry, sure, he hasn't shown everything. It Potential's there. Yeah, potential is there, and he's coming around. Jawan Williams, while he's a niche corner kind of, uh, is he's been really good when he's in the game this year. Yep. Chase Winovich, we've talked Beast. about him plenty of times. Um, Byron Cowart, the, the defensive tackle, the run stuffer right. from Solid. Maryland, he's been great. Uh, Jake Bailey, uh, biased. I think he's the best punter in the game. Love him much. He's fantastic. You have Jarrett Stidham as quarterback depth. Um, and then you have Damian Harris, who you haven't seen yet, but that boy is coming off IR. Right. And that's what we were, I don't know if that's where you were heading. Yes, it was. Okay. Synergy, baby. Got, Synergy. We got it. It'll be definitely interesting. So going back to, okay, I don't want to skip over your points. Definitely agree that he's had some great drafts the last couple of years. And I think people just tend to remember the misses. It's the easier thing to do. Like, of course, of course. It like it's more fun. You know, you can clown on people for busts, whatever. But like, if you look at it as a whole and like, you look at what we're asking them to do, like we're not asking them to be MVPs. We're asking them to do what we want them to do. And they're doing it pretty solidly. So agree with you about that point. Segwaying off your last name, Damien Harris, that you brought up. We're talking about what Sonny Michelle did this week. I agree. I was pumped to see those long runs. I was pumped to see him just look better. I kind of share some of the same concerns where he definitely looks a lot slower than he like his Georgia highlight type tapes are unreal. Unreal. Um, and then the same thing about the injuries. We're talking about all these other names that are running back just this week. Okay. Not only Damian Harris, but obviously James White, you know, hopefully he comes back soon. Take your time, do what you got to do. But like there, we have so many good running backs. I don't even know what we're going to do. Bruno, you are so deep in my brain. It's crazy. I, that is literally the next point I was going to make. I don't know what you do to get all these guys carries. My guess is J.J. Taylor will take a step back. That's my guess. Everyone said Damian Harris was the best running back yep. in camp. Not by a slim margin, but by like a mile. Yep. So now he's coming back. It might be this week. It might be the week after. He's eligible to come back this week. Um, he's going to get touches. James White has been the best receiving running back in the NFL over the last five years. Like, look at check the stats. He's coming back soon. So they have Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, James White, and JJ Taylor. That is the deepest running back room I've like almost ever heard of. Here's a question. Are there five running back sets that you can throw out there on the field? If there is, Bill Belichick will come up with <laughs> so, it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. It might might be happening. But yeah, yeah uh, just a really, really, really diverse team. This team can win in a ton of different ways, and I think that's exciting. They really they're one yard away from being three and zero. It's true. And like a legit three now. A legit three now. Um, so yeah, well, uh, a good win for the Pats in week three. Um, real quick before we end, thoughts going into Chiefs week. So I don't have any because I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> On a serious note, I really am trying not to think about it. On a more serious note, I don't want to think about it. On the final serious note, 
I'm very scared. I'm not gonna lie. And it's not a testament to the Patriots. It's like I I don't think anything we're saying is is we're getting too hyped or we're saying things that are crazy. Like everything we're saying is true. We've been playing really solid all across the board. Very excited. You know, we've had we had a great game against the Seahawks and almost won. Good win against the Raiders who were like undefeated coming in. Those are all true. But it's just it's the Chiefs. Like yeah. I, I I it's mostly like just the fact that we just broke down it, it basically comes down to this. We just broke down everything they can do on offense. And people forget, like, it's impressive how our defense is playing. We, as we said, we have, like, eight opt-outs and, like, six, five or six of them Dude, on defense. And crazy. they're key guys. Even if our defense was fully healthy, it would still be an almost impossible task. Not that it's impossible, but no. it, it would be very, very hard to just come up with the perfect game plan. So the only thing I can think of is if, like, it's just one of those things where all week, you know, people are com- coming in being like, oh, the Chiefs are going to kill them. And, like, the Patriots is the classic bulletin board material. That's something I could see happening. But the other thing is, though, I I don't think the Chiefs are going to come in being like it's going to be easy. They're yeah, still going to no, be motivated to win. Definitely. So I'm almost hoping for a letdown game for the, by the Chiefs because this Monday night game was such a big game for True. them. True. Um, one one less day of prep. One less day of prep. Uh, I had convinced myself after the Chargers almost beat them that we were going to beat the Chiefs. <laughs> I was right there with you. <laughs> and then last night when they did that, I was like, okay. Never mind, um, dude. I shoot. It's also in Kansas. It's at the Chiefs. Right? Yes, where so. we we don't do well there. That's a what you would call a house of horrors. Yes, it sure is. Um, like I said, I I think the Chiefs are going to dare Cam to throw it. I, they're going to blitz the shit out of him, and they're going to be like, okay, make sure. Let's see if your receivers can really separate. Um, so we'll see. Here's one. I, here's one thing. But yep. I know you have something else. Yep. You just made me think of this. I don't want to forget it. The one thing I will say, right, is that at least. Cam Newton is not coming to this game with any baggage, right? Tom Brady yeah. comes in, and yes, he beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. We were talking a little bit before, but he's had some horrible losses, especially in Kansas City. Yes. At the very least, Cam's kind of just come in, and he's like, he's on a one-year prove-it deal. People are singing his praises. He's been playing really well. At least what we have going for us is there's no nightmares for Cam. He's yeah. been mostly— Cam's like, whatever. It's the Chiefs. Yeah, so whatever. Like, that's—I just—I wanted to say that. No, yeah, you're I 100% correct. I do want to say this. I've said it a lot. Based on Bill's last two drafts, I think he's trying to get quicker on defense. And I think I think so much of what he's done from a draft standpoint is to prepare for games like this. I don't think it's probably going to click yet. There's like Josh Uche, the guy, the second yeah, round what, pick. Bro, what is happening with him? He got hurt again, and then the, like, and then he was at practice like the day before a game and got hurt again. Now he's on IR for three weeks. Bruh. So that debut is still coming. But They've they've gotten quicker across the board, um, moving like safeties down to the box to play like linebacker, whether it's Kyle Duggar or Terrence Brooks, whoever it is. Um, so it'll be very very interesting to see how Belichick attacks us because I'm worried if you allocate too much to the receivers, Clyde Edwards is it Hilaire or Alaire? Because they fucking said uh, it honestly. They oh, last night God. in the game they're like Elaire, and I was like I thought it was uh, it's Leclaire. <laughs> Oh God! No, it's, <laughs> oh God! Um, basically, I just feel like Belichick's gonna have to make a decision whether he wants to try to limit right. them through the air or let them run the ball. Right. The Paddington strategy of taking away your best weapon and forcing the other weapons to step up—that doesn't really work against the Chiefs when any of their weapons can do it. No. Like, yeah, I would go if I hadn't watched last night's game. I would be like, blitz Mahomes, try to get the ball out of his hand quick, try to not let them run the ball. Uh. Well, the Ravens tried that and it did not work yeah. for them. So I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I do think the Patriots secondary is much better than the Ravens. Yeah. And 
it's at times like these, what do we say? In Bill, we trust. I don't, I, I can't even fathom how. I'm not going to try to. I'm just going to say, hey, Bill, you done it before. Let's hope you do it again. Because if anyone can do it, it's him. Not saying we will, but if anyone can, it's our boy. So one last quick thing before we wrap up here. I've been reading for the last couple of weeks this book called The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. And it's basically an inside look at how a Jeff Benedict had all access to the Patriots' uh, entire franchise, pretty much. Uh, he conducted interviews with hundreds of people, former players, current players, uh, personnel, staff, coaches, uh, owners. You, you, get, you know the deal. And for any Patriots fan, this book is a must-read. I have never enjoyed reading something so much. I don't think I will ever enjoy reading something as much again. It's it's so damn good, I really can't even put it to words. Um, I, it goes back to when Robert Kraft was buying the team in the 1990s, um, how he met his, his late wife, Myra Kraft, uh, in-depth into the Belichick-Brady relationship, and it's just so telling. It's so damn telling. And I want to read the last, I don't know, page and a half, I guess, of the epilogue, which talks a little bit about how Brady told Kraft and Belichick he was leaving. I've seen a lot of stuff on, on Twitter lately about that it didn't end peacefully or whatever. And I just, I want to read this excerpt to, uh, to maybe put some of that at ease for you guys. So bear with me. Um, a couple minutes won't be too long, I promise. So it's on page 520, if any of you guys have the book. Uh, I'll just I'll start reading. Tom Brady's contract with the Patriots voided at 4 p.m. on Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. That evening at 6.20, Brady texted Kraft, Hi there. Hope you're doing well. Are you in Chestnut Hill? Would love to see you in person if possible. I'm corona-free. A week earlier, with the coronavirus beginning to spread in the United States, Governor Charlie Baker had declared a state of emergency in Massachusetts. Kraft had been self-quarantining in his home since the first confirmed cases were reported in Boston. Yes, I'm still here, dealing with a cough, Kraft texted. I'm infection-free, but trying to be corona-free, so no hugging. Need to do social distancing. What's better, Brady texted, tonight or tomorrow morning? Which, whichever you prefer, just let me know. We will adhere to all CDC guidelines. Great, let's do tonight, Kraft texted. Tell me when it's good. Brady said that he could be there in 30 minutes. Kraft thought that Brady was coming to tell him that he decided to play another season with the Patriots. When Brady arrived, he parked in his customary spot, right outside the front door to Kraft's home. Kraft ushered him inside, and they sat six feet apart in the living room, where they had met so many times before. After Kraft asked about Brady's family, and they talked briefly about the virus, Brady brought up what he had come to discuss. Looking Kraft in the eye, he told him that he wasn't returning to the Patriots for another season. He would be happier, he explained, and it would be better for him to move on. Kraft was overcome with sadness. And, as Brady tried to further explain his decision, he broke down. After a long pause, Kraft told him he understood. There was no need for any further explanation. Brady wiped his eyes. This is hard, he said. They wanted to hug each other, but they resisted. I'm sitting here thinking that when I met you 20 years ago, Kraft said, you were this skinny beanpole college kid with peach fuzz on your chin. Brady smiled. Now he was a global icon. You've matured so beautifully, Kraft said, his eyes welling up. Tears streamed down Brady's cheeks. The two of them spent the next hour reminiscing. Then Brady wanted to call Jonathan, who was in Aspen, Colorado. 
Robert dialed his number and put the call on speakerphone. When Brady told Jonathan that he was leaving, he got emotional again. You're like a brother to me, Brady said. I love you. Half a continent away, Jonathan removed his glasses and wiped his eyes. I feel the same way, he said. I love you too. After hanging up with, with Jonathan, Robert and Tom took a moment to collect themselves. It was time to call Belichick. Throughout their 20-year partnership, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady had rarely been in the same room together. Normally, it was Kraft in a room with one of them, functioning as a bridge. Kraft called Belichick at home. When Belichick picked up, Kraft said, Bill, I'm with Tommy. He's got something he wants to tell you. Kraft stepped away so Brady could be near the phone. Brady thanked Belichick for being such a great mentor and coach and told him he was leaving. Belichick told him how much he admired and respected him, both as a player and as a man. Tom, he said, you're the greatest quarterback of all time, but you're an even greater person. As Brady and Belichick spoke, Kraft marveled at the way the two of them were handling the situation. Breakups, especially when egos are involved, are almost always messy, but this one wasn't. A professional relationship between two of the biggest stars in, football, in the football orbit had gone as far as it could go. After 20 years together in the crucible of greatness, they had reached the end of the road. More than anything, Belichick and Brady sounded relieved. They closed by expressing once more their respect and admiration for each other. After Brady hung up with Belichick, he and Kraft talked for a few more minutes. Then Kraft walked him to the door. Instinctively, they made a move to embrace, but stopped themselves. There would be no hug, no kiss on the cheek. Standing six feet apart, both men had tears in their eyes. I love you, Robert, Brady said. I love you, Tommy, Kraft replied. Brady turned, got in his car, and stepped on the gas. Alone in the doorway, Kraft waved as Brady's taillights disappeared into the darkness. Thirty minutes later, sitting alone in his house, Kraft texted Brady, Love you more than you know for being so classy in everything you do. Your parents should be so proud. I love them for creating you. You are truly one of a kind. So that's how the that's kind of like the end of the epilogue. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I'd seen some stuff about, you know, how much they hate each other. And while I feel like their relationship was a, a professional relationship, it wasn't like friendly by any means. Neither one of those guys would be where they are today without the other one. So um, this book was full of so many amazing little nuggets and stories that I I really can't even begin to comprehend how amazing the entire story was about the since craft took over the team um i hope you guys listen to i I, there's audio books of it there the book's 526 pages i wasn't really able to put it down ask my friends i was i was reading i don't read um and once again obviously that i was just reading jeff benedict's book that the copyright issues that was not mine anything like that so um yeah I, I, I hope you guys, any Patriots fan out there, it's a, it's a must read. So go grab it if you can. And that will wrap it up for episode four. Any final thoughts? Are you good? Um, my final thought is playing the field. Playing brought the field. to you by Kurt and Bruno. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you heard it right there. <laughs> brought to you by us. And we will see you next time. See ya, folks. Um, playing the field. Darkness was and always know the truth.